0: the following sermon is brought to you by new covenant community church a bible-based church located on route 62 east of johnstown ohio to learn about new covenant community church visit www.new-covenant.org again that is new-covenant.org now enjoy the message you can be taking your bibles to the book of acts the fourth chapter The book of Acts, chapter 4, as well as Isaiah 61. You can be bookmarking both of those places. In your Bible, it may not just say Acts, it may say Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, chapter 4, and the Old Testament book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. We're now going back into the book of Acts. We have up to this point been preaching it through in its entirety, which we plan to continue doing. And we've seen some things thus far in the book of Acts as it has continued the Acts of the Apostles as we see it from the Gospels. We see that Jesus rose from the dead, just like he said he was going to. Somebody say amen. We see that Matthias was the one who replaced Judas. Just like Peter said must happen for the scriptures to be fulfilled. We saw that the Holy Spirit came just like Jesus said he would come at the time that he did at Pentecost. And we see this apostolic preaching and this word apostolic simply means in reference to the apostles. This kind of preaching that the apostles did we see beginning here in the book of Acts. We see the church growing And there are some things that we've seen from those principles from the book of Acts that is like super, super, super helpful in the year 2021. Uh, Things like Jesus doing what he said he would do and being raised from the dead. That he is worthy to be trusted as a truth teller. If Jesus said that he was going to raise from the dead and he did it, it means that he says when he's going to come back for the church, it means that he's going to do it, someone say yes. Yes. He's worthy to be trusted as a truth-teller. We see in Judas being replaced by this Matthias character. We know, as we'll say much more about in a moment, that God is able to use evil for God's good purposes. Uh, that's worth knowing in the year 2021, that no matter what kind of evil happens around us that we see happening, we see transpiring, we know that it is not beyond the reach of God being able to use it for His good plan and purposes. Uh, We see that the Holy Spirit is vital for gospel proclamation, that we as believers today need to be relying on the Holy Spirit to walk this life as a Christian, and we've seen the model of how it is that we're to preach. Uh, It's not up to us as to what we preach and the kind of church that we are. God has already determined those things for us in his word, And we see from this apostolic model of preaching that what was happening right out of the gate that was incredibly successful and very blessed by God and orchestrated of the Holy Spirit was for these preachers to outline and to outline clearly someone's sin and what that sin does in separating them from God. To not sugarcoat it, but to truly paint a true, real picture of reality that people are lost in their sin and then to display before them Christ who can wash away every sin. We've not only seen that, but last time, the last time that we were in the book of Acts, we saw how the lame man was healed. And if you remember your Bible well, you'll know the story that Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. And as they're going there, they encounter this man that has been lame from the time that he was born. And this lame beggar is sitting there begging for alms, which we know would have been food or particularly money. And Peter and John see this man and the man expected to get something from them. But Peter asked this man to give him his attention. He says, I don't have those things to give you silver and gold. I do not have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And as you might imagine, this man being healed of Christ through Peter and John being obedient vessels, it gathered a bit of a crowd Which was no surprise, if you knew someone that had been lame from birth, from their mother's womb, his legs were lame, he couldn't walk, he's never walked. And that man you see standing, walking around on your feet, that would indeed gather a crowd. And that's exactly what happened, it gathered a crowd of thousands, exactly. And after this man was healed, and now that God has gathered this crowd unto himself, now Peter's got a platform upon which to preach. And he preaches as we've seen him do before in this apostolic kind of manner where he outlines people's sin, the absolute destruction that is brought about, the crushing weight of God's judgment on the sin that is, resides inside the human heart and the great need for Christ to redeem that soul. Many people begin to get saved, but the thing that happened particularly in that moment is that the religious leaders and governing leaders of the day, as it were, weren't too happy about that. They had the people underneath their legalistic, hypocritical thumb and preaching freedom in Jesus and seeing this man walk around because of what Christ can do didn't sit too well with them. If you remember, it was the priests. I believe it was the Sadducees. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it was the Sadducees, particularly the scribes. They both start with S, so that's how my brain works. But I know it was the priests. I believe the Sadducees and the captain of the temple, which would have been like a guard at the temple, arrested Peter and John. For these things. It was late in the day and then their trial, as it were, there was nothing very legal about anything that they did when they arrested Peter and John, but the next day they're discussing what to do. And they come to the conclusion that they can't do anything because it is undeniable that God healed this man. But as we said back then and we'll say today is the the facts and the reality didn't mean anything to this hypocritical group. And they decided, because they couldn't do anything because of the great number of, pe- a number of people that were there and witnessed this great miracle of God, that they, the only thing left for them to do was to simply let Peter and John go, but they only did it after having threatened them not to ever teach in the name of Christ again. And then if we look to verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, we find out what happens next. Verse 23. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before it was done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Jesus, we're asking now for your Holy Spirit to shine a light on this text that it would be illumined to us and that we would see exactly what it is that you want us to see, that we might be fed. We come here hungry today for your word. We come here wanting to know the nature and heart of our Lord. Father, forgive us for the temptation of idolatry that is inside of each of our hearts that would desire to only hear the things that are pleasing to us. Father, let us hear it in its most raw form, I pray. We want to know the truth, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us in these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all those in God's house said, I'd like to preach to you a very simple sermon this morning titled, The Unstoppable Bride. And no, I'm not talking about what some of you might be thinking in the form of a bridezilla being some lady that is shouting out orders and telling everyone around her what to do because her wedding day is coming. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, of course, talking about the bride being the church. Now, what we have here in the book of Acts is it gives us the accounts of the first persecution, the first rounds of persecution that were ever experienced as a church we know the first of which being the jeering that happened on the day of Pentecost. you remember the story where they all were baptized with the Holy Spirit and they were speaking with tongues of fire? The people outside the building what they were in thought that they were speaking gibberish and thought that they were drunk. Some heard it and thought this is a wonderful thing that God has done. Others just simply jeered. That was like the first round, but it was almost like a, a step in that direction. The second round that we see is what has just happened to Peter and John. This being threatened, don't you ever teach in the name of Jesus again. Don't you ever come in this temple and speak that man named Jesus. Don't you ever try to heal someone who's been lame for their, their entire life. Don't you ever speak of that man named Jesus. They were threatened. And we see that in Acts 4.21. So when they had further threatened them, the Sadducees, the priests, the captain of guard, they let them go, which we just read about what happened when they let Peter and John go, go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. So what I'd like to preach to us today are simply what scripture gives us and the results of having poked this bride, of having poked this bear called the church. What were the things that happened And I want to preach it to you simply so that we can all see it for clarity, and I believe that God's church will be fed this morning. We'll see one primary one that I believe is elevated and a predominant point that will be made out of the text that we just read, but there are others also that are worth taking note of. So if you're taking notes, be it on your phone or in the margin of your Bible, or however it is you take notes, these would be worth remembering. Look back, if you would, to verse 23 where we see the first one. And of course, we know that in verse 23, it's referencing what happened after Peter and John had been released. And being let go, they, being Peter and John, went to their own companions. They went back to the church and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So here they have the governing officials, the religious leaders saying, don't you teach and preach in the name of Jesus anymore you're going to get, I mean, it was a threat. It doesn't tell us the extent of that threat, but it wasn't a kind request. This was a threat. You, Peter and John, if we catch you teaching in this name again, gathering in this name again, operating in the name of Jesus again, you're going to get in trouble. This was a threat. And the very first thing that happens is Peter and John go back to the church. If they were concerned with this threat or if they were going to capitulate to this threat they would have not I don't believe gone back immediately the first thing they did was to fellowship with other believers so I'd love for you to write down that word fellowship it's our first point this morning it's the first thing that happened when this unstoppable bride called the church got poked poked is a very theological word if you didn't know that but you learned something today and it just makes me wonder, and this is where my brain goes, and I don't have anything in scripture that would make me think that it happened exactly this way, but it just makes me wonder if indeed it happens, which perhaps it doesn't, but if it indeed, indeed happens such that demons have to report to the devil what's been going on as he's obviously going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, I just wonder what that report sounded like. Did the demon go up to Satan and think to him and say to the devil, uh, "Mr. Devil, sir, I know that we were working through the religious leaders. We were working through those lying hypocrites to keep their thumb on the people, to keep the people oppressed, and for them not to hear the freedom of the gospel. And I know that we threatened them through these men, these Sadducees, these priests, this chief guard, these people, but..." They were supposed to be scattered, but the first thing they did is went back together again. So it didn't work. This bride is much more unstoppable than we thought it was. I just wonder sometimes what the devil has thought in reference to these things as his plans have indeed failed in those areas as we have seen it here failing. But that's not all, and I'll say more about all this in a moment. But look now to verse 24, part B, the second part of that verse. So when they heard that, when the people whom Peter and John, the other church members, the other Christians that they went back to, when they heard what Peter and John said, and I hope you've got a Bible in front of you because I'm, I'm paraphrasing lots in here so we can see it clearly. They, being the collection of believers together, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Everyone say one accord with me, ready, set, go. One accord. So Peter and John go back to the church. That's the first group they wanted to go back to. They wanted to be with the other brothers and sisters in the faith. They report all that had happened. And then all of these people, after hearing this thing, they all together in one accord lift their voice. And we'll talk about what it was that they lifted their voice in. But we mustn't go any further before we realize that they were in unity. Someone say unity. Now write that word down if you're taking notes this morning because it is our sunken point of what happens. The thing that we see when we digest Scripture in its detail of understanding, they went together to fellowship and then they were unified. This is what happened when this unstoppable bride called the church got poked. I like using that word, poked. That's a good word. You might hear that from this pulpit more often. I like that word. And it makes me wonder also if it indeed happens, which again, perhaps it doesn't, but if we use our imaginations and I just wonder perhaps... Not meaning that our imaginations mean anything. The Word of God is what stands and that is what we know to be true. But it makes me wonder, perhaps, what that report was like when some demon goes back to the devil and explains, and yeah, not only did they go back to fellowship, but now they're unified. This thing of threatening these two leaders, Peter and John, it was supposed to scatter them. They were supposed to be dispersed. But now they love each other even more than they did to begin with. And now they're even more unified than they were to start with. This bride's a little more unstoppable than I think that the devil thought would happen. Now, here's what I want to say, church, and I have been, from last night until right now, I have been praying about what to share with this because I believe it's so important. I do not claim to have any supernatural spiritual giftings of prophecy or foreseeing the future of any kind. I'm just a simple person like hopefully you are today too. I'm just a man that loves the Word of God. That's all I am. But I do believe in wisdom. We are seeing just like it was in those days where the church was being attacked through the means of getting them to not fellowship, through the means of getting them not to be unified that obviously the devil failed in. There's nothing new under the sun, as we know scripture says. And I believe with all my heart that we are getting ready to be faced with an assault on the church with regarding these two topics of fellowship and unity the results of this unstoppable bride and here is what I mean by that Uh, we're in a world today and we this is no surprise to anyone where we're underneath a leadership if you call it leadership that is trying to make two different groups of people and if you're thinking vaccinated and unvaccinated you'd be thinking right right There's a movement of you can only work in certain places whether or not you are vaccinated or not. You can only do certain things whether you are vaccinated or not. That has been the goal very clearly of of separating those two groups of people. And I believe absolutely that the devil will intend to take that same motive, the same mission to try and separate the church also. Now hear me and hear me clearly. I have my own feelings with regard to the whole vaccine topic and issue, but that's another time for for when you ask me, or if you ask me, or if you don't ask me, that's fine, but that's one thing. The thing that I feel the responsibility before God to say is that it's very, very clear that all people see, regardless of where you stand on this whole thing, it's very important that you see what's happening, that you see that what the vaccine thing is doing, that it's the warm-up show to the mark of the beast. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, it is vitally important that you see that, that you understand those things with clarity, okay? That's, that is what I feel the responsibility of God, to preach his word, to say that it is so important that we see that. But here's what I want us to see from Scripture. Peter and John go back, and they report what all the chief priests and all those goobers said and the thing that they were told to do, the threat that was, that they reported, that they get, that this leadership gave to Peter and John, that they go back to report to the church, it indeed was a dangerous thing. It was a dangerous thing that was a threat. And they go back and report to the church a dangerous thing that could take life. Now, here's, here's where I believe the attack of the devil will come is that as this movement in our world continues to go forward of separating the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, those who have had the vaccine and are in support of it, should this thing cause death, they're going to say, well, haven't you read the reports? Don't you know that the vaccine works? Why would the church help someone for not having gotten the vaccine? Because it works and it'll save these lives. Haven't you seen the statistics? And the temptation for all of those who have not been vaccinated will be, well, don't you see the statistics also? Don't you know that none, none of the animals even survived from the trial? Don't you see those things? And, and there will be temptations on both sides of this fence to alienate people on the other side of the fence. Now, it just makes me wonder when Peter and John brought this dangerous thing to the church, it's very intriguing to me that it says, then they lifted their voice in one accord. Now, listen, if I knew how to lead people in one accord, I'd already done that by now. Being led in one accord is something that the Holy Spirit of God has to do. As we individually, as believers, look in the mirror and say, Are, are, we, are we representing that? Are we dying on the proper hills? It makes me wonder if Jesus, let, let's say this movement continues for let's say the next eight weeks and let's say that, that Christians begin to become more polarized on this topic and it makes me wonder if Jesus came right back, then, back right then, how, how unified would he find his church? What is the, the question I've been asking myself is what is the way for us to lift our voice in one accord like that? And I'll be honest with you, I'm not even really sure I know the answer. All I know is that what it says right there, that's right. So I don't really know how to get there. If somebody's got the answer, please come tell me, okay? But here's what I know would be wrong, is for this polarization that is coming from the current presidential administration is is not right for the church. It's not right for the church. So again, I have my own feelings about it, as I'm sure all of us do. The one thing that I know is not right is for believers to be torn apart over this and that the right thing is for one accord to happen. So, if somebody's got the answer how to do that, I would love to talk to you after church because I don't know the answer to that. But what I am smart enough to say is, that's right. That's right. So if you also would say, yes, that's right, for believers together to lift their voice in one accord, that's right, then we, have a, we, have, we need to pray on our knees before God that God would give us, as he did for those believers back then, that when there was a dangerous thing presented, a thing that could cause life to end, no doubt, how do believers get together and and be unified over those things? I have no clue, but I'm just praying the Holy Spirit of God, what only the Holy Spirit of God can do, because this task is far beyond the man of Ben Sweeterman or any other leadership in this church. So my prayer for us is that we would see this correctly, that we would see that the result of the true church, and this will be a very interesting litmus test as we continue on. What happened when the true church got poked was that they were in fellowship and they were unified by God's grace. Let it be so for new covenant. Somebody say amen. Verse 24. So when they heard that, when the other believers heard that, they raised their voice To God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Listen to this church. I hope you're paying attention. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before it was done. Now, write in your Bible, it'd be helpful if you wrote in the margin of your Bible, Psalm two verses one through two, which is what the people quoted and lifted their voice and together in one accord with. That was the, That was what David said that God spoke by the prophet David. Psalm 2, 1 through 2 is where you can find that. So Peter and John, they go back to the church. They're in fellowship. They're in unity. And they come together in one accord to say this thing. And this is certainly the predominant point that we'll see this morning of what happens when you poke the church. When you poke this unstoppable bride is that there becomes a very clear and certain understanding of God's sovereignty over evil. It'd be worth you writing those words down as it's our next point. God's sovereignty over evil. What became very clear to them is even through these goobers, as we call them, the Sadducees, the chief guard, and and whoever else it was that was persecuting them and, and locked Peter and John up in prison, What they came to the understanding of was much as like it was when Peter stood up in the church and said, okay, this Judas character, even doing what he did in his wickedness, God was able to use to fulfill the scriptures, to accomplish his purposes. And this is important for us to know, dear friends. This is so vitally important that you and I have an understanding of God's sovereignty over evil. When the church got poked, this became much more clear to them. Both from Peter preaching it previous to Pentecost and even now as they collectively in one accord are coming together and saying that even, even down to the very people that crucified Christ and put Him on a cross, God determined before it even happened that He was going to be able to use those things for His plan and for His purposes. And so to see this and then we'll give some examples to see this clearly it's important that we look at some other scriptures one of which being James 1:13 as we understand this about God and we understand how this works It says in James 1:13 let no one when he is let no one when he is tempted say i'm tempted by god for god cannot, cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone So I've had people ask me before, well, Pastor Ben, is it permissible then to do an evil act to bring about God's plan? To which the answer is absolutely not. God is not the author of evil. He's not the one who orchestrates it nor calls people into it. But he can use the wicked acts and intentions of others to bring about his plan and to bring about his purposes. A prime example of this would be in Genesis 50, where if you remember the story of Joseph and how he was betrayed by his brothers, even sold into slavery. We know all of the really bad, wicked things that happened with respect to Joseph. Now, it was not as if God was orchestrating and being the one the root cause behind these wicked, bad things happening to Joseph. He was not the author of that evil, but he was able to use the evil that then set Joseph in a prison where he would somehow then be able to hear about the dreams that the Pharaoh was having during a great famine in the land, one that was coming, and be raised to power very, very quickly, the right hand basically in command of the whole world. So not only is there a great picture of Christ and all that, but you know the story. This great famine comes onto the land. Joseph has experienced year upon year of these difficulties and these troubles, this evil that was against him. God raised him to power very, very quickly, and then all of a sudden his brothers, the same ones who sold him into slavery, come and are asking for food from this kingdom that he has been able to preserve, that Joseph has been able to preserve. And we know what's recorded there in Genesis 50, verse 20, when he's speaking with his brothers, he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. God was not the author of it, He was not the one who drew people into evil. God himself is not evil and does not call us into that, but he's able to use them for his purposes. Now, if you would, please flip over to Isaiah 61. We should have our Bibles bookmarked there already. The other thing of understanding about this is not only that is God not evil himself and being able to use it and being sovereign over evil, But we also see that God is the only one who can do this kind of thing. Listen to what it says in verses 1 through 3. And this would be a messianic prophecy. It's as if Jesus is speaking these things through the mouthpiece of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, And the opening of the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Listen to this church. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he may be glorified only God is able to take wicked plans, wicked intentions, and use them for his glory and for his good plan. So it's for these reasons, church, now hear me, is why believers should not at all be scared of COVID. Well, Pastor Ben, it might kill you. It most certainly may. But God is able to use even wicked things for the purposes of his good. Listen to me, church, in the exact same way that Peter stood up before the church and said this whole thing with Judas that happened, it had to happen so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, and God's going to use it for his plan and purposes. Judas' wicked acts, God was able to use because he's sovereign over those wicked acts. He was able to bring it about that Jesus would make salvation for us, church. If that's awesome, say amen. Which is why I want to say to you, I would like to stand before all of you, not to compare myself to Peter at all, but to be able to stand before you and also say this whole COVID thing, it must happen that scriptures must be fulfilled. Jesus said that in the last days there would be pestilence. COVID has to happen so that scriptures might be fulfilled and it's not something worth worrying about. Could it kill you? Yes. Should you be worried about it? If you're a believer, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As I've shared with you before, COVID might kill this man. It might take this body, but God is able to use that COVID, that spike protein. I'm sick to death of even seeing the little picture of that goober. And, and that'll be the very thing that I ride straight into glory. Somebody say, man, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not worried about COVID, even though it may kill me, I'm not worried about it. And I'm thankful that my faith has grown in this. And I hope yours does too. Know this in wisdom church. Let's pretend for a moment that next week, COVID falls off the complete face of the planet. Y'all, it's going to be about five minutes until there's something other big, huge thing to worry about. It'll be Kim Jong-un and that great haircut that he's got that's going to nuke us all, okay? I mean, like, it's, it's going to be something. It's going to absolutely, if it's not COVID and it's not a nuclear bomb, it'll be something that we can't even conceive of right now. Some big, dangerous, disastrous thing. listen. Let's say it is a nuclear bomb. God is He is sovereign over evil. He's sovereign over Judas. He's sovereign over the things that we see. He's sovereign over Peter and John getting arrested and threatening them. We ought not to worry about these things. See them for what they are. Act in wisdom, certainly. But to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And I am well pleased about that. If you are too, say amen. So the saints are gathered in fellowship, going back now to our story from the scripture this morning. They're in fellowship, they're unified, they're seeing this predominant point of God's sovereignty over evil, and now we're in verse 29. They're in Acts chapter 4. Now, Lord, this is their prayer, listen to it. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. If it indeed happened, which perhaps it did not, but if it were to happen such that the demon gave the report to the devil of what happened when they had poked the church this unstoppable bride. i just love to have heard that report of, you know what, we poked the church through these wicked men, but, but guess what, they're now fellowshipping, they're now unified. They have this un- incredible sense that God is even sovereign over the works that we're doing. And now they've prayed for boldness and they've got it. It did the exact opposite of what it was that the devil had tried to do against this unstoppable bride called the church. If you remember from last week, I told you about the man named Artur Pulowski, as I've mentioned him numerous times over the past months. He's the pastor from Canada who didn't shut down his church, and, and he had been touring in America. This has happened very recently. He was touring in America preaching, and he knew that going back to Canada meant that they were going to imprison him with the intention of probably keeping him there for like six years. And wouldn't you know it, this is what I shared last week, and but I think it was like Monday or Tuesday of this past week. I see this video of Artur Pulowski, and I couldn't tell from the video, but if I remember correctly, it looked as if he had just gotten off a plane. Like, literally, they were waiting there to arrest him the moment that his foot touched Canadian soil. And they put him in handcuffs, and he's probably going to be going to jail because he was a gospel preacher, and he was feeding all the poor people in that entire city, and they arrested him because of... COVID, so is what they say. But I also know that the first time they arrested them, they put them in a jail cell that was filled with urine. So I'm not so sure that it's because the Gestapo, I mean the Canadian government, cares about COVID. I'm pretty sure it's because they just hate Christ. They hate the truth. They want to have their own godless agenda, their own desires. They want to worship their own idols and not the true God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Somebody say yes, because I'm preaching here. Now listen to me. They just shot themselves in the foot is what they've done. They have absolutely, the Canadian government, if they thought, if the devil thought that they were going to work through them to silence the church, scatter the church, get the church to not do anything anymore because they're going to make an example out of this Artur Pulaski guy, they just shot themselves in the foot because all of a sudden they've got believers now praying for that same kind of boldness. They've got believers now ready, saying, go for it, go ahead and arrest me for preaching this gospel. It it has been gasoline on the fire of the gospel, and it's awesome already to see what's happened with just one man in a neighboring country that's gone to jail for the things that he believes in. But I digress in all of those things. The next thing that absolutely happened for the church when Peter and John went back to them was that they prayed for boldness. That'd be a good word for you to write down. When the church got poked, when this unstoppable bride got poked, there was some boldness that happened. They prayed for it and God answered the prayer. So what I have hope you've seen and what I have hope you've seen clearly in all this is that when this unstoppable bride got poked, even in the little way that it did, Peter and John spending a night in prison and then getting let go because they didn't have any leverage because all the other people saw the guy that got healed, the things that resulted... We're fellowship, unity, a keen and true understanding that God is sovereign even over these evil things, and boldness. So this is a crazy world, and I feel completely, totally, completely with all those things that are completely over my head when it comes to all that we're seeing in the world. But, but what I do know without a shadow of a doubt is that those things are right in this world where we do have differing opinions on all kinds of things, and let me tell you, I've got some opinions. I'm a, I've got a Ph.D. in my opinions, okay? But, but more than my opinions, I know that this is right. So if you would say that this is right... This is our goal, this kind of fellowship, this kind of unity, this kind of understanding of God's sovereignty over evil, and this kind of boldness. This is absolutely what the Word of God says happened, and I believe with all my heart that it is right. And I wish that I knew, and perhaps Peter and John wished that they knew exactly how they could lead the church so that everybody could be led in that, but I'll just be honest with you, I really don't. And I'm praying for the Holy Spirit of God to somehow bring this about in our church in preparation for the absolute attack that I see coming from the enemy and these kinds of things. So, Lord God in heaven, help us, I pray. Help us to be united in these. It's how, I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to unite vaccinated and unvaccinated people. I don't know how to do that. I've got my own feelings about all this. I, I don't know how to, how to lead the church through that. I have no clue how to lead the church. I don't know how to get here. I'm completely lost in how to do that. But I'm praying for God to do what only he can do and, to, and for us to see what's right and for the Holy Spirit of God that resides in us to draw us to this. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm trusting the Lord with each step, though. So I hope you've asked the question, why is it that this bride is unstoppable? Why is it that that we are this fellowship united, seeing God's sovereignty over evil in this boldness? I hope you know it's because the groom of this bride is the one that's unstoppable. Somebody say yes. The groom of this bride, our Lord Jesus Christ, he is unstoppable in this thing. The shepherd of this flock is unstoppable. The captain of this army, the king of this kingdom, he is the one that is utterly, utterly, utterly unstoppable against this movement of evil, against all these things, and he is the one that can bring about those things. So, so rather than me having some kind of intellectual idea of how I'm going to manipulate people's emotions so that we're all just happy on Sunday, it's like, no, we really need the Spirit of God to do something that only the Spirit of God can do among a church. And I'm praying for it desperately. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. I hope we're running to the name of the Lord as our strong tower and not our political feelings, opinions, strong things, be it politically or not. I hope the name of the Lord is the banner that we're going to, first and foremost and above all else. And as it is with every sermon, some of you love to hear that and some of you hate to hear that. But all I know how to do is to get up here and show you what God's word says, which I hope is what I've been able to do. So the last question we would have this morning is, have you run to that tower? Let that question simmer in your heart for just a minute. Have you run to that tower? Because if you don't know Jesus... God's judgment against your sin is there. You're condemned already sitting here this morning in your sin. And you need to drop it. You need to repent and you need to turn and trust the Savior to forgive you. You need to run to His name like that. But you know what? I think we probably have a lot more of, like probably the majority of us, are believers, people who have run to that tower and they are safe in it from the standpoint of their sin. But it makes me wonder, how many times have we run to the tower of our own understanding? How many times have we run to the tower of our own intellect? How many times have we run to the tower that has been built with all the mess in the world of all these political things? Have we run to the name of the Lord first and foremost? Don't get me wrong. I've got my own opinions and feelings about all the stuff that's going on in the world, but... But when I see this, man, it convicts me to think, man, the church, the church, and when I say the church, and I don't want you to think I'm bad-mouthing every church because that includes us too, Did you know that we are destined to be a a split-up group of people? That's the direction we're headed right now. Maybe not as much as some. I think there is a good spirit of unity in this church among others, but but with this very strong, very prevalent, moving everyone into a vaccinated and unvaccinated camp, we're, we are all headed there. And boy, if I wish I knew the answer of how us not to be there. All I know is that, that they were unified. I know without a shadow of doubt, with all my heart, that Peter and John went back to those believers. They told them what, the, what had happened. And they heard of something that could mean and did mean the end of their lives for many. And yet they were unified. They were in fellowship. They were unified. They had an incredible sense that God is sovereign over wicked plans. And that they prayed for boldness and that God answered that prayer. That's all I've got for you. Not a real pretty ending, but all I know how to do is to give you God's word. And to say that I hope and pray that we've been a church that could show you that you must run to the tower that is in the name of the Lord would you stand with me and pray as we come to the music with heads bowed and eyes closed we'll be taking an offering in a moment and you'll see the plates that are up here one on either side of this platform and also one on that far wall and one on that far wall we're going to do our offering a little bit differently where you can come and walk and place it in the offering plate this morning in just a moment but first I just want to pray to say Lord in heaven God in heaven, we need you, Lord. We need you in this church to move in a way that only you can. Father, we, we are seeing the divide. And not just divide, we are seeing it plural. We are seeing the divides. And Lord, we need you by your Holy Spirit to unite your church in the right ways, Lord. Father, show us the things that are the right hills to die on. Father, what a, how wrong it would be to have run to our own understanding and our own politically charged feelings before we have first humbled ourselves before you. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive this man right now because I am guilty of having Let my charged opinions happen first before I have knelt, bent my knee before you, and opened your word to see that when the persecution came, which we see it, Lord, we see that happening, to see the results of what your church did all those years ago when Peter and John went back and they were unified they had fellowship they saw your sovereignty and they were in this united mission of boldness together Lord that is right and Lord I I don't know if any of us have the answer Lord we need you Lord My goodness, do we need your Holy Spirit to knit us together because in our own human strength, we can't. These divides are too big. There are too many of them. Lord, if you would grant us just one thing as a church, it would be that when you come back, when you see this lampstand called New Covenant Community Church that you would find a united people for your purposes Lord make us lovers of what you say more than what we think is right Lord I need humbled we all need to be humbled before you your word has stood on its own two feet to show us what is right And we need you, Lord. We need you to be united in these things. Father, if there are divides that need to happen, then Lord, let them take place. Let them happen. But Father, I pray with all sincerity that I know how to have, Lord, that there would never be a divide that is wrong, a divide that should not be there. We all pray in Jesus' name and all the church says. One divide that I know there is is between the sinner and God and the man named Jesus Christ. Doing what he did made it such that that divide no longer needs to be there. If you would repent of sin and turn and trust the Savior, the promise of his word is that he will forgive you. What we're going to do now is we ask the Lord to bless this offering and multiply it and use it greatly for his purposes is uh, you from your seat. We're going to take this time as we sing together that you can walk from your seat to bring your tithe and offering and let it also be more than just simply placing something in a plate. Do it first joyfully, but also let it be an act for you that you would say, I want to be united together for the right reasons. I want to be a biblical Christian, not a Christian that's right politically. We need to be right before God first. So let's give as we sing and worship together.